And it's like, I don't want to like, well, I'm not tinfoil hat. I'm not, I'm not tinfoil hatting it over here or anything. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the last person to let go of dabbing. In fact, he still does it. He loves it. My brother, Mike. Now, I'm going to pretend to be confused about what that is, but then bam, what's up? <laughs> All right. I will dab on you when I get my victory dance going. All right. He plans uh, on uh, being buried like this. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm a middle school teacher, so there are still, I can tell you, there are still middle schoolers out there doing this. Okay. At your gu- get your guidance. How could we they need not? to have an intervention? Is what we need to do <laughs> because it's uh, not good. I'm like, hey, buddy, never gonna get a girlfriend. <laughs> never gonna happen. <laughs> uh, anyway, but before we talk more about Mike uh, traumatizing children, we first want to apologize if there are any technical difficulties. If you're hearing things funny, if Mike looks weird, weirder than normal, uh, we're having some technical issues with his garbage internet that he refuses to pay more for, and so. We're having some issues there. Hopefully this all comes out very clear for you uh, and sounds great as per usual. We've never had technical issues on the show before. So uh, yeah, no, uh, this is the first time territory. Um, on this week's episode, we'll break down the opening series of the season, dive deep into what we're seeing from the team so far and preview uh, week two's games. But first, Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one physical or personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. Why? Because they took excellent care of our mother after her surgery. She went to All In Physical Therapy after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She was worried because she likes to work out and be active and all that sort of stuff. She's not flipping uh, tractor tires. She's flipping small at midsize SUVs. So that's, that's kind of her thing. Yeah. She came over the other day, actually. And yeah, just, I mean, she was throwing my kid so high in the air, I thought he was going to go through the roof. She wanted to be able to do that stuff again. Uh, The excellent specialized care she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to working out every morning in no time. If you're an athlete who's sustained a sports injury, the team at All In Physical Therapy will get you right. So give them a call and go see them. It's run by trained professionals and athletes who know how difficult the rehab process is. All in physical therapy is owned by and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former Air Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and as we know, a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, but if, even if you're outside that area, it's worth it to make the trip into to Lee Summit or Blue Springs just to get to work with Tommy. We trust the team at All in Physical Therapy, and so should you. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with all, the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-P-T.com. We'll start this week's review with roster news, as we typically do. Some interesting stuff went down on opening day right before the game ended up happening, and it caused a little bit of ire among some of the Royals' diehards. Uh, The Royals traded beloved reliever Richard Lovelady, uh, a lot for name, but some for performance, uh, to the Braves for cash considerations. Mike, what did you think of seeing Richard Lovelady traded to the Braves? First he was uh, optioned, then he was traded. What do you think? Good for the team, bad for the team? What are we thinking here? 
first no pitcher who has ever pitched as few of innings in Major League Baseball as Richard Lovelady has ever been described as beloved by a fan base. Okay. Uh, and that's maybe one of the reasons that we loved him was we all thought that he should have had a chance a long time ago. So I'm happy for him that he gets now maybe a chance to pitch in Major League Baseball as it seemed like the Royals were never going to give that to him. Um, can't wait for him to be an all-star with the Braves or something like that. Cause that's, you know, what's going to happen now. I mean, but I mean, obviously, especially with this new regime in place, there had to have been something that they saw in the numbers or somewhere that said Richard Lovelady isn't going to be an effective major league reliever. I don't agree with that necessarily because all I've seen from him has been success, but you know, if they don't like it, get rid of the guy and we'll see if, if he turns into a solid major league piece somewhere else. We know they made a mistake. The only thing I put down in the, in the rundown is thanks. I hate it. I do not like uh, the trade of Richard Lovelady, mostly because I think he can be an effective reliever. Now, I wonder if they're looking at his velocity and saying, wait, maybe he's not going to get all the way back from this injury that he's coming back from because he's not throwing 93, 94 or even 95, which sometimes he touched when he was, you know, really at his highest peak velocity. He's not there. He's in the low 90s, sometimes even the high 80s a lot. And so, but that was really never his game. His game is deception lefty. His game is he's got a really good slider. His game is he can command a little bit. You know, he was really going to be an effective guy against lefties, I think. Obviously pitched very well in spring training, but we'll see. Like, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think that Braves will probably turn him into an excellent reliever from the left side, a guy that who, who can contribute for a long time if he can stay healthy. I will say it has been a you know, a, a, a common sort of thing that he gets hurt a little bit. And so if he stays healthy, though, I think the Braves are a good team to turn him into a successful major leaguer. They also, the Royals also did a few other things. They traded Matt Beatty. Uh, he wasn't going to make the opening day roster. So they traded him to San Francisco again for cash considerations. They moved Drew Waters to the 10 day IL, which was a little bit interesting to me. I thought they might put him on the 60 day IL and then just plan on him coming back much later. And then, uh, you know, make an open on, on the 40 man roster, but they decided not to do that. So they must be optimistic about his timetable coming back. They also moved Daniel Lynch to the 15 day IL. We kind of knew that was coming. Uh, he's going to be a while, probably a month into the season before he sees any major league time on the field this week, the Royals went Oh, and three, right? They, they, they won zero games and they lost three games. Everybody pretty much watches this opening series it was, it was dark. It was, it was real reactionary uh, on the timeline this week. You know, like um, obviously run prevention has been a little bit better than run production so far. The starting pitching has been promising at times. The rotation has given up just five earned runs in 15 and a third innings. The offense has been a roof, right? They were shut out in the first two games. So they did not score in the first 18 innings, actually more than that. Cause I don't know what inning they scored on in the game today, but it, it was a pretty long streak. Okay. They had a pretty long stretch of scoreless innings to start the year here, um, but they did show a little spark and grab four runs uh, in this third game. Problem is they gave up seven. Uh, Mike, what do you think of what you've seen so far from the Royals? My hope here is that the bad results on offense aren't don't cause a problem down the road. They don't discourage the players that are in there because it seems like sometimes the process has been really good. They've been able to draw walks. They've been able to even hit the ball hard at times just not get any results from it. So I hope it doesn't turn them into pressing, which maybe we saw some indications of today as Vinny Pasquantino laid down a bunt for a base hit at one point. 
Well, he, he didn't actually get a base hit, to be clear. He tried to get a hit. Tried to bunt for a hit. No, no, no. Yeah, he tried to get a base hit because he, if he bunts, he, would he can't get a base hit. He it's would have to place that possible. thing like a like so. a Japanese nine hitter. I mean, like, they're never, you know, just, no, no. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the process was in his thinking or the team's thinking or whoever decided he was going to do that. But um, I hope it doesn't change what they're doing. It's three games. They weren't offensively productive for those three particularly, but they need to not stray the course yet. Okay. No big adjustments need to be made right now. Go out and try and hit this next series. Yeah. It's, they were something like Oh, for 19 at one point with runners in scoring position, they were just terrible with runners in scoring position. They took a lot of walks in this opening series, which is encouraging. They got on base enough to win at least one of those three games, but just not good enough. Honestly, this is going to sound really bad because I know people are just angry. Like there's a ton of anger out there about the Royals, which is a weird place to be in my mind. So early in the season, especially with a new coach, like who are you angry at? Like we have all new coaches. No. Yeah. It's not a weird place to be. It is. The Royals have been out of contention in May so often. Yeah, but that I understand. But what's like, what's I your? I don't. I don't. Because what's your relationship with the team and the game? If you're angry after three games, like three games, you're with a new coaching staff, a new GM, all new, all new people in charge of this thing, and you're like angry after three games. Like, how do you do? You even understand baseball and how it works? Like three games is not a sample size large enough to get angry about in my mind. But any, I digress from that. Honestly, there are things I'm pointing to that have taken place that I'm encouraged by because the, the starting rotation, the thing we worried about the most has been somewhat solid because the team they were facing the twins looks really, really, really good uh, because the bullpen looked good for those first two games. At least, you know, there are some takeaways where you're like, actually this team looks quite a bit different in the areas that we worried about the most. Do I think eventually the offense will come around? Yes, I do. I think they're pressing too much with guys on scoring position. And the thing that's holding them back, this batting average or this, you know, performance with runners in scoring position, we know that that's extremely variable, that that goes up and down all the time, that sometimes you're going to have stretches of really bad plate appearances with runners in scoring position. I think it's an approach issue. I think they start pressing when they get guys on base and I can document that with a lot of evidence, but I'm still encouraged by the fact that they're getting guys on base. I'm still encouraged by the fact that they're taking walks. I'm still encouraged by the fact that their starters haven't imploded, you know, in any of the first three games. That's encouraging to me. We'll see if it turns into wins and losses soon. We know they're going to have bad stretches at some point. What does it matter if it's at the beginning or in the middle, it's all sort of kind of the same in my mind. I'll explain why, because your, your fans are going to get frustrated. And that's what this is. Like you call it anger, but no, what they are is they're frustrated when they expect. And for, and here's the thing that kind of gets me with that. They are, I think a lot of people see them losing that, you know, getting swept in the opening series and they say, Oh, same old Royals. They've been since 2015, you know, they're, they're not going to compete. They're going to be out of it in May. Well, if you're watching, if you're actually watching the games closely, they're not the same team. You can see the differences that the new coaching staff has brought in. But when you've been, you know, when you've had your heart stomped on 40 times and your team's been so terrible, like, I get that. I understand the frustration. I am a man of the people, though, and you are like not. Yeah, that's true. I'm an elitist. You're a man of the people. That is the truth. Uh, That is the truth of it. I mean, because in my mind, I'm like, listen. 
if they had won the first three games, those exact same people would be like, oh, they'll blow it in a week. <laughs> you know, those people, you can't satisfy them. Like you cannot satisfy that fan. There is no way. The cynical fan cannot be satisfied. And so, you know, I don't even think about them. I just like, you know, it's three games, people. It is three games, right? Um, now, it, set being said, there is, you can't draw any big conclusions for the three games. But Mike, I want to be able to ask some questions about. So what questions do this opening series spark in you about the Royals? The, the big one that kind of stuck out to me was, will they continue to draw walks at the rate that they have? They've drawn a lot of walks especially for a Royals team, especially for a Royals team that brought back essentially the same personnel as they did last year. Um, but they have taken a lot of walks and I hope that continues because like you said, we're getting people on base. Eventually, you know, we'll level out that batting average with guys on base and we will start scoring runs from that. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think, uh we think about the guys going up and down the lineup right now. We're like MJ Melendez has taken three walks. Bobby Wood Jr. has taken a couple of walks. Neither of those guys is actually hitting right now. They're all, I think Melendez is over nine, which I'll talk about here in a second. I think Bobby Wood Jr. is over 10, but they both have a few walks. So they're getting on base a little bit, you know, and then, you know, if they can take walks, if they can have that sort of approach up and down the lineup, it really does just give them opportunity to start hitting guys in whenever they finally get their, you know, runners in scoring position curse, you know, hexed away or whatever, you know, like uh, the thing that I'm, I'm taking away, the thing that I'm thinking about, or the question I'm asking from this opening series is, can this pitching last? And most importantly, can this starting pitching last? Because if it can game changer for the Royals, right? If they can have some level of consistency in this starting rotation, that's game changer for the Royals because Last year, we said it, it was the rotation and the bullpen to some degree, but really the rotation that killed them. They could not do anything to prevent runs from taking place. They got a solid start from Granke. They got a solid start from Lyles and they got a solid start from Keller. That's all we need. And a lot of it too is like, you know, they got pulled at the right time. They got some good defense. It was all sort of team wide run prevention. Kyle Isbell's playing like Ken Griffey Jr. reincarnated out in center field right now. And so, you know, there's that, but can this pitching last? If it can, to me, that's the story that we might have to sort of start thinking about as they move on into the, to the rest of the season. There were some strong performers, despite the fact that the Royals went 0-3. Mike, tell us who got your strong performer of the week uh, in a very truncated week. Yes. I didn't even put down the numbers because it was so, so few at bats and stuff, but uh, Salvador Perez uh, has been the only guy actually hitting consistently for them. So that's been good to see. He's caught all three games. He, uh, and he, he has a double. He, now we haven't seen him put one out yet, but he had a, another hit in the game today. So Salvador Perez continues to be good. Now, if he, he doesn't always start off real hot to a season either. So that was kind of a good thing to see when nobody else is hitting. It's good to see, uh, Salvador Perez still picking it up at the, the age that he is currently at young man out there. What is he? 32, 33 young man. I think he's 33. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm putting the whole starting rotation uh, for strong performance because honestly, it has been. Three three outings, three strong performances. And I'll take it all all day, every day. We got Brady Singer tomorrow uh, in Monday's game. And then Chris Bubich. There's a decent chance we get five starting, five decent outings in the first five games. And I say that and watch 
they're going to go out and give out 12 runs each or something like that. But got to applaud them for that first series because they did very well in that opening series. Five earned runs and five, 15 and a third innings pitched. Quite a few strikeouts. The walks were too high, but mostly because Brad Keller walked the bases loaded today. Uh, right at the end, he looked gassed and he just started walking guys. Um, but we'll see if that if that holds, if they keep uh, the strikeouts high and the walks low. Obviously, in a week where you get swept, you're going to have some bad performances. Mike, who was your weak performer of the week? It was Hunter Dozier, man. Hunter Dozier just continues to not hit at all. He was 0 for 7 with two strikeouts and no walks. Everybody else was walking. Hunter Dozier couldn't get one. And so it's it's a little disheartening. But the one thing that happened today was Matt Duffy comes out and plays a solid third base today, and it's a home run today. And then somebody put out on Twitter that, like, over the last – two or three years, Matt Duffy has a, a war of like five combined and Hunter Dozier's is like negative two. <laughs> no, I think it was, I think, I think Matt Duffy's war in, in their careers, his career war is something like 9.2 and uh, Dozier's is like negative two and a half. And that was Christopher Tenpenny, I think, who put that out on Twitter today. I want to give him credit for that. Yeah. And so there was a lot of talk on Twitter today about like, Let's just uh, not play Dozier anymore and play Duffy instead. Just stick and, with uh, Duffy. You're not, not? You're not going to hear an argument from this corner <laughs> right now. Uh, and so, yeah, bring on Duffy. He looked great. He really looked like a ball player today. He looked really great out there. Um, my week performer for the week was is MJ Melendez. He went 0 for 9 with three walks. I could have chosen Bobby Wood Jr. He also has played poorly, uh, mostly at the plate. Bobby Wood Jr. has done some decent things defensively, though he did make one big mental error defensively on in the game on uh, Saturday, but Melendez is also just kind of looking, they're both looking pretty lost. Their timing is not on right now. Melendez. I mean, we can start asking the questions like did playing in the WBC hurt these guys. It seems pretty obvious with Bobby Wood Jr. He got virtually no playing time there. MJ Melendez just is looking like he's in a funk right now. Uh, hopefully he can, and you know, the Royals have faced three really good pitchers. Maybe that's part of it, but they were three righties and Melendez still could not do a thing against them. And so, Hopefully he can find a, a way to turn it around. I'd like to say the plate appearances are really good. I don't know that they have been particularly good. The walks are good to see, but you know. I watched one today where he actually got down 0-2. I think it might have been his the very first at-bat of the game. Um, I don't even remember how the at-bat ended, but I remember thinking, you know what? He's 0-2 for, on two pitches that he made the right decision on, you know? The first pitch of the game was a fastball right down the middle. He swings at it, fouls it back. The second one is a really good pitch in the low and away. It's like tucked in the corner. He doesn't swing because there isn't anything he could do with it. And so now he's down 0-2. Not because of any bad approach. or Now he needs to move, do more damage on a fastball down the middle. But, you know, that's I feel like that's more of where the problem is. It's not necessarily his approach right now. It's that when he's swinging at, at good pitches, he's not doing damage with them. That's a problem. And that's been the problem for a few guys. That's been the problem for Bobby Witt Jr. too. I mean, his approach has been bad because he's just swinging too much, but he's also missed some balls right down the middle that he wanted to do damage on. Same with Melendez. Same with Vinny Pasquantino has missed. He missed two fastballs right down Broadway to start in a bat the other day. And he swung at both of them. He just swung right through them. And what do those three guys have in common? They all played in the WBC. And it's like, I don't want to like, Uh-oh. I'm not tinfoil hat. I'm not, I'm not tinfoil hatting it over here or anything, you know, like as you can see, uh, but he's coming you know, out against the WBC people. Let's I'm not coming out against it. I'm not coming out against it. I'm just saying, first off at this point, it's clear Bobby Wood Jr. Should not have played right because he was never going to get any playing time. 
and it hurt him. I think that much is obvious at this point. Same with Singer. I don't think he should have played either, but it is what it is at this point. But we do have to say like, it's, is it a coincidence that the guys who did that are all struggling offensively? All of them. Finney was playing very subpar pitching against very subpar pitching in the WBC. That Bobby Wood Jr. wasn't playing at all. MJ Melendez, you know, here. So who knows? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Mike, what was your theme for this week? We got to move on to, to our spotlight segment. All right. Our, my theme was Bizarro World. Like in Seinfeld, where they talk about the Bizarro World. Uh, because we thought the negative coming into this season would be the pitching staff and that our offense would be our, the stable part. And it was the exact opposite, like the Bizarro World. Okay. I'll be interested to see if carrying into next week, we still get Bizarro World Royals or do we get the Royals that we thought we would see coming into the season? Yeah, that's a good question. I, offense has to turn around eventually. I think, I think, you know, no, no team's going to score, you know, what, what, what's their average right now? Four runs over like a, a run and a third a game or something like that. Like that's, that's not going to happen. So eventually they'll get hot. Uh, the question is how long will it take? You know, um, my, my theme is a very easy one. It's early. Calm down. It is early. Okay. Um, lots of baseball to play still. There was always going to be a stretch of the season where they lost at least three games in a row. So, you know, they're getting out of the way early, I guess. I'm just, I want us to sort of be able to still enjoy the games we're watching. And uh, that's hard to do if you just say, uh, I saw someone say, I'm done. I'll come back in May. I'm like, all right, I guess. Like, I don't know. They might be out of it by then. <laughs> you know, like, I know by, by then it might be even worse. Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, and so, yeah, we'll see. But uh, it's still so, so early, everyone. We have baseball games that count to talk about. So we're going to talk about them. I know they were rough. The Royals went 0-3. Uh, but, you know, that makes uh, that's making a lot of people toss their hands in resignation or exasperation. But if I may, let me just say, uh, chill the F out. Okay, it's three games. There's stuff to learn from these three games. But if you're really keen to throw in the towel after three games, maybe it's time to re-examine your relationship with this sport and this team. But we should take something away, I would say. Mike, let's try and be as objective as possible looking at this opening series. What's something that you were happy about in this opening series? Uh, I kind of took two things because I'm selfish that way. Uh, I said the strikeout rate is up a little bit and the walk rate is down a little bit for our pitchers. Oh, okay. Our pitching staff, the strikeout rate is about one strikeout per nine higher than it was last year. And our walk rate isn't quite uh, one walk below what it was last year per nine, but it's, it's uh, good. So that's kind of the happy thing I'm taking away. Um, I hope I'm not stealing, you know, I'm not stealing your thing. Another uh, happy thing I'll just throw in there because we mentioned it earlier and I forgot to say something was our hitters walk per nine rate right now second in major league baseball. So our, we are walking at the second highest rate in major league baseball, at least going into today's game we were. And so that was, uh, that was good to see. Yeah. I'm excited about a thing that is more managerial than anything. And that is pitcher usage. I think Matt Cotero is showing that he is going to make the right moves when it comes to pitcher usage, that he's going to have a quick leash with a lot of their starters, that he's going to work matchups really well. What he's done in these first two games is forced the other team, the twins in this case to go to their bench to get rid of the bad matchup they had. So what he's done uh, in two of these games, at least, and maybe all three, 
he brings in someone like Amira Garrett, a lefty, to face some lefties of theirs. Well, it forces them to pinch hit with a righty off their bench. Well, you might say, oh, that creates a good matchup for them. Actually, no, it doesn't really, because a lot of times pinch hitters are more ineffective than regular hitters. They're just your worst hitters. Or, you know, they come off the bench cold or whatever. You know, like you want to face those pinch hitters, you know, even if it, because one, it means their lefties are now out of the lineup. Their starters are now out of the lineup. They're trusting pinch hitters. And, you know, it just, it's, it's more effective than trying to just like, we have a guy for the sixth inning. We have a guy for the seventh inning. Don't do that. Play matchups. Amir Garrett is very good against lefties, but can also get righties out. And so, or at least that's their theory. He's pitched like garbage so far, but you know, he's not that bad. And so we'll see, uh, but it's a good theory. It's a, it's a solid plan. And it looks like pitcher usage is going to be a lot more optimized than it has in the past. Now, we, we talked about what makes us happy for that opening series. Mike, what concerns you about that opening series? We can't draw conclusions, but what's something that's concerning you after watching those first three games? Not winning any games concerns me. Real simple. Like, <laughs> I thought you, were going to, you took the two-foot putt there, because huh? Because I'm still traumatized as a Royals fan, right? I The hardest thing about being a Royals fan is how consistently they are out of it in May. They don't like even drag you to a point where you're like, oh, it's July and we are still around 500 that never, it happens so rarely in the seasons when they lose a lot, they do it early and they do it often. And so I, as a fan, the, the thing that I own, the only thing I'm really hoping for is a longer stretch of baseball that matters. And, you know, too often they've been out of it in May. So the thing that concerns me most is going a, a series without winning at the very beginning of the season. Now, like you said, it's early. They were going to lose three games in a stretch anyway. But these games count just as much as the ones in August. And so, you know, it's just frustrating to me to to do so well in spring training. And then you get up here and your offense is uh, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's that makes sense from a from a, I guess how we're emotionally feeling about, about what's taking place. Kind of a, kind of a thing Um, that makes sense. I mean, I get it. Uh, but you know, I'm still of the mind that's like three games is super early. They could, they could win the next three, they're 500, you know, like it's not, you know, it's not unprecedented. And so, uh, the thing that I sort of concerns me as I look really closely at these opening games is it's guys losing their approach with runners on base. So they're doing a decent job getting guys on base. And then you watch the at-bats that they take when the guys are on base, and they're just awful. They're terrible plate appearances. They're swinging at pitches early that are in the shadow or off the plate. They're just being way too aggressive with guys on base. And it's like, that's not how you do it. You need to have the same approach all the time. Here's your zone. Here's your swing zone. Okay. Until you get two strikes, you don't expand it. This is your swing zone. You know, it's not, it's not that difficult. And yet the over anxiousness, the eagerness to be the hero is just way too prevalent with a lot of them right now. And it's causing big, big problems. Now, I hope that doesn't carry over. I think it usually calms down as the season gets going and we're into the grind and everything, but boy, it's rough to watch right now. Yeah. my And like I said earlier, my worry is that bad approach with guys on base when you're anxious and over aggressive will start to leak into other times because you're not seeing any results. You know, if you're not seeing results, that's when you start to press. That's when you start carrying a bad approach with you all the time. And I, I really don't want to see that, especially since a lot of these guys are younger. They haven't been, you know, th- for a lot of these guys, it's their very first opening day. 
Like it's not, it, it may take a month before they start to calm down. And, uh, that sucks. That's on the coach. Well, that's on the coaching staff. Right. And so I'm a lot more confident in a Matt Cotrero led locker room than I am in a Mike Matheny led locker room. One yeah, that can sort of say, Hey guys, you know, like one, I'm going to give you a day off or I'm going to set you down and talk to you because you're just pressing like crazy, like relax out there, like <laughs> just relax, you know, like, and so, you know, we'll see, I'm more confident in it being, resolved quickly under this regime than previous regime. So that's good. Um, we do need to sort of uh, think about what, what we're want to watch moving forward. I'm, I'm curious to know what you're going to look at now that you've seen three games. What are you, what are you paying close attention to? What are you looking at moving forward after this first three games? Honestly, I'm looking at Bubich's start coming up in this next series, really the starting pitching staff overall. But I think with like Greinke and Lyles, especially you kind of know what you're going to get with Singer there's still some questions in my mind, especially since, you know, he had a great last end of last season and I think you can count on him and I think he'd be great, but really this Bubich start coming up is going to be, I think huge. How is he, his demeanor out there? Does he seem calm? If he comes out in that first inning and he walks the first two hitters and you're like, okay, this is, you know, that'll kind of increase the pressure and the tension. I'm, I'm hoping he cut really that first inning for Bubich is going to be huge. And so I, I, I'm really curious to see, that start from Bubich and uh, yeah, the rest of it will continue to keep an eye on the starting pitching. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch those uh, plate appearances with guys on base because I want to know, like they're not going to come out and say that they did this, but I want to know what's being done in the clubhouse, in the locker room and things like that to try to address it, to try and say like, Hey, we have a, a team wide issue right now that our lineup is pretty universally, uh, pressing when guys get on base. And so, you know, what are we going to do about it as a coaching staff? What are we going to do about it as an entire team? What are we going to do to address this? Now, I think there is something mentally about just getting through the first series that kind of gives guys a reset and gets them to say like, okay, now we're into the season, you know, like Toronto's coming to town. They're going to face a couple pitchers who aren't world beaters. And so maybe that gives them some confidence. They did score four runs today. Maybe that sort of gives them some confidence. They can move into the, into the, you know, uh, flow of the season and start sort of turning some good at bats in when they're, when they have guys on base. Cause right now it's, it's not looking great. I want to have one last question for our spotlight segment. And this is the one that I'm kind of most interested in. Like, what is the big overreaction that you see taking place that you want to squash? You want to say like, Stop doing that overreaction, please. It's it's the one I said I understand and support. It's the this is <laughs> it's the, always what happens. It's the I one you're doing. <laughs> I do, man. I've been a Royals fan since you know, gosh, who was the first the first player you remember watching as a kid? I'm talking like since Joe Randa, Carlos Fabless, George Brett's last years. Uh, you know, Mike Sweeney, that stuff. Uh, Kevin Apier, uh, the, those guys. And that was like when we were, what, seven, eight years old. And so I understand. I remember those awful teams. I remember being out of it in May many, many, many times. But this is what always happens. But this is not the same team as those teams. They have an idea. This group, I, I believe in Matt Quattrero as understanding and having an idea of what to do. And I, there is talent on this team. And so, yeah, just this isn't, I know it feels like this is always what happens, but that ain't it. Okay. 
Uh, I'm trying to stop people from overreacting, reacting about the offense, right? I get, I get the concerns. They are not illegitimate. Um, but what you need to understand about hitting with runners in scoring position is that it is, it is variable. It like, it fluctuates all the time. There is no, or at least there are a lot of people who will say there's no like clutch gene. There's no clutch ability or skill. It's just that, you know, sometimes the numbers look really bad hitting with runners in scoring position and sometimes they get better, you know, and it just sort of fluctuates throughout the course of the season. It's one of those things that will come back, will regress to the mean. And so don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't, you know, that this team will score plenty of runs. Hopefully. Uh, I say all these things as if, as if I have a crystal ball, but I, I don't, but you know, it won't be this bad always. And so try not to overreact when it comes to things like hitting with runners in scoring position, because that often is pretty variable. We get a full slate of games this week. There will be a game every single day this week. How awesome is that? I'm very, very pumped to just watch baseball every single day this week. Um, and so very excited about that. The minor leagues are also held to have also kicked off. And so AAA Omaha is already playing. And so if you're ever going to, if you're like, oh, I'm missing out on Royals today, if they have an off day, check and see if Omaha's playing. They, they're three and O to start the year. So, you know, might, might bring you more happiness. Who knows? Um, but anyway, we get a full slate of games every day. Baseball, the Royals will start with a four game series at home. They'll stay at home uh, against Toronto before hitting the left coast for a three game set against the Giants. Mike. Tell us about the Fighting with Merrifields, also known as the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they're one and two so far and already last in the AL East. Okay. Um, tough AL East, obviously. We will start off with Brady Singer against Jose Barrios. Uh, the 28-year-old right-handed pitcher that they got from Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, who a lot of people thought was going to be like a superstar for a while, um, but had a real rough year last year, over five ERA. He still throws a fastball in the mid-90s, a slurve, a sinker, a changeup. He had some really good years with the uh, Twins, and so now he's trying to bounce back from that. But it, it, he's kind of like a lot of Royals pitchers in that hitters love his fastball. And so he doesn't throw a very effective fastball anymore. After that is the game I'm really looking forward to. Chris Bubich against, oh man, Yusei Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Is that right? Yeah, that's close. You say Kikuchi, a 31-year-old lefty, over 5 ERA last year, 1.5 whip last year. Those are both very bad numbers if you don't uh, follow baseball statistics. So hopefully we can get and touch him up a little bit. Mid-90s fastball, slider changeup, uh, cutter. He throws his fastball a lot, uh, but it gets hit pretty hard as well. So two guys that had not a lot of success last year. So we're hoping we can start off with some wins. The last one will be... Zach Granke versus Alex Manoa, a very good young uh, pitcher, 25-year-old right-hander, uh, 3.5 ERA last year, but he struggled in there for his first outing. So that's going to be a problem. Uh, fastball slider changeup, but he's a good pitcher. And so that's going to be a challenging one. He's not uh, overpowering with this stuff, but he's got really good command. Um, so yeah, hitters were all over his slider apparently in his last outing. Uh, which is what you put in the notes right here. So thank you. And that is his best pitch typically. So, but Alex Manoa is supposed to be one of their best pitchers. To be clear, uh, he did not have a three point. Well, I don't know what you said for his ERA last year. I didn't put his last year numbers on this because Mano oh, Manoa has already played or has already had a start this year and he got rocked in it. 
He uh, he did not pitch well. He had, so he has a thirteen point five zero ERA right now and a three point three zero WHIP right now. But that's just oh, that's my fault. That's okay. just in one start. And to be clear, his name is Alec Manoa, not Alex Manoa. <laughs> Give me a break, Mike is Harry. Mike is just he's bringing a real mud pie to the to the episode today. <laughs> just just fra- face first into a pile of manure why for you today. Why would he put his ERA when he's got one start? Because he has stats <laughs> to provide. Stuff on there, that man. tells us how well he's doing this year, really poorly, right? And so <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, after they, he was an all-star last year, ladies and gentlemen. But so far this year, he's Jackson Kowar. So, uh, <laughs> Who had a good outing today. Don't be fooled by those numbers. I watched the game. It was not as good as the numbers looked. Um, anyway. <laughs> After the after Toronto, they're flying out west just really once. They're not usually you see a west coast trip where they have other guys, you know. But no, they're going to the San Francisco and then they're going to Arlington, and so it's not a real west coast swing. They're just going out to play the Giants. The Giants are one and two, which is last in the NL West. I wonder if their fans think the sky is falling, but we'll know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, no, we don't have probables for every game. Though there's only probables out for the first game. We'll probably see Kevin Gaussman. In that first start, who is really, really good. Um, the the Giants really have a strong starting rotation. That's what's going to carry them this year. It's Gaussman, it's Logan Webb, it's Alex Cobb, it's Ross Stripling, and it's Jake Junis, I think, is gonna is gonna make some starts for them. We may get to see him in the series that we we, we play against him. We'll see. I'm not I'm not real sure how it's gonna work out, but that'd be cool because I like Jake Junis. Um, remember they turned him into a, a, a good starting pitcher after the Royals, uh, you know, just crap the bed. Um, anyway, um, the lineup while the, while the rotation is really good, the lineup is a mixture of kind of grizzled vets and young guys I've never heard of. So they're probably going to have some issues, uh, scoring runs. They're a team that last year had some issues scoring runs. And so we'll see if their offense is clicking when we get there. Hopefully not. Uh, maybe the Royals have a chance to get some wins this week facing two teams that are combined two and four. Is that right? Two and four, two and four. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, besides your garbage internet, what is interesting to you outside the world of baseball this week? I'm getting warmed up for the 2023 NFL Draft. You and I are people who have studied the draft in the past, and we used to hold draft parties at our house uh, every year and and, uh, really concerned with that sort of stuff. The Kansas City is hosting the draft this year for the first time since I can remember. Actually, that's the first time ever because it used to just be in New York until they started moving it around. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for the draft. I've started looking into that sort of stuff, getting on the mock draft simulators kind of stuff. So I'm just pumped for the draft to see who uh, the Chiefs can add and then possibly get a, a championship ring for. You know, those guys, if you get drafted by the Chiefs, think about how likely it is you're going to get a ring. I mean, there's a chance, a good one. So uh, I'm excited to uh, see what happens April 27th. It's Thursday, April 27th, start of the NFL draft here in Kansas City. Mo. Here's my thing. Love that the draft is happening here in Kansas City. Love that. Just because I like the city getting cool stuff. That's always awesome. Yeah. I am not a fan of the way the draft is covered now. I hate it. You and I became draft nicks back when it was still like, all done in one day or two days or something like that. And it was like, it was barely shown on TV. It was like, on a, like ESPN ate the Ocho or something. It was like, there was no big deal. It was like, oh, yeah. there was no coverage basically. No. It was just Mel Kiper and that was it basically. And so 
I miss those days. No, the great thing was day two. Day two, when like you had to go find it on ESPNU or whatever, and like, like they're flipping through picks like crazy, and you're like, I've never heard of this guy. Like that, that was the good days when it was like, hey, we got twelve hours to go because they get 10, 10 minutes per pick in the seventh round. Like <laughs> that was good stuff. I liked it when it was an all day affair. Like, not like a two hours in prime time. I liked it an all-day affair on Saturday and Sunday. You could hang out and just watch the whole thing and just laze out and be a bum and f- and look at these guys you'd sort of been following for many, many months. Those That time of the NFL draft is my favorite. That's when I really fell in love with it. The way they cover it now with all the human interest stuff, ugh, I do not care. I don't care. And so it's rough. I don't even watch it anymore, really. I'll still read some stuff about it beforehand and everything, watch some highlight film, watch some film probably even on guys. And I'll definitely watch film on the guys that the chiefs take, but I just can't get excited about the sort of ways in which they're playing to the, you know, the extremely casual NFL fan to get them to watch the draft. It bothers the shit out of me. The thing that kills me is that I hate about those, the human interest stuff is they never do them in interesting or new ways. No. It's the same narrative every time. They just plug in a new player every year. Oh, can- like, cancer kid stories? Why are you doing this to them? You mean a cancer kid story? They like, love yeah. a cancer kid story. That's their favorite thing to do. <laughs> cancer kid story. Okay. <laughs> it just drives My me thing is nuts. Like, just, you know, I understand. Yes. And, and the thing is, like, a lot of them have interesting stories. You can go out and tell their interesting story without telling it the exact same way you did. For 20 guys, 20 previous years, like, let's, let's be smarter. About There's it. no levity to it. There's no nothing. It's like all pathos. It's like, Hey, feel, you know, feel inspired by this guy and his journey. And it's like, can we get some, something that doesn't have such weirdly high stakes for a dude who's just made, you know, like tens of millions of dollars getting drafted? Like, wh- what are we doing here? Let's just, let's, this is football we're talking about. Like, just, just, they don't all have to be wildly inspiring stories, you know, like everyone doesn't have to be the blind side or whatever, you know, like it drives me nuts. Uh, anyway, you're getting, you're getting me off on a rant here. Um, I'm talking about mythic quest this week because my partner and I, what? I think I've done this one before. (laughs) Oh no, I went back and look, it doesn't matter. Even if you have, I'm I'm talking about mythic quest because I, my partner and I went back, or not went back, the, a new season of Mythic Quest. If you don't know, Mythic Quest is a, is a show on Apple TV Plus, and it's it was created by what's his name, Rob McEnany or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, he was one of the creators and one of the stars of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He, uh, you know, he's a really just smart writer, basically. And this show is so well written. It is so good both as a comedy and as like with enough, it's a dramedy really kind of that's like 70% comedy, 30% drama dealing with people's sort of inability sometimes to, to be socially uh, what's the word I'm looking for intelligent, socially, you know, aware and capable uh, dealing, just dealing with a lot of different stuff. That's really interesting. Uh, And of course it's set in a video at a video game company, where they run like one of these massive video games. It's a lot like basically world of Warcraft. And so just a really funny and also good show. If you ever get a chance to go see it, I, we just watched the most recent season and it is as well written as any season of television I can remember seeing. And so go ahead and give it a shot. If you haven't, 
Ted Lasso is not the only good show on Apple TV plus mythic quest. I would argue is just as good. Um, and so please give it a shot. The, the actress who plays Poppy Lee, I love her. She is amazing in the show. Um, and so, yeah, just give mythic quest a shot. It's really, really good. I promise. And give Royals Weekly a shot next week when we come back and talk about what is hopefully a 7-0 week for the Royals, okay? So we'll be back to talk about the Royals, whether they go 7-0 or 0-7, we promise. Uh, until then, be good to each other. And go Royals! <laughs>